0: All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. And our special guest is native North Carolinian and my friend Ron Bowen. How you doing, Ron?
1: I'm doing great, Miguel. Thanks for having me today. It's good to talk to you.
0: It's good to talk to you too, man. You know what? I got to. You know what? I should have done this already. I didn't do it, and I got to. Set your audio up here, man. My mistake. There we go. No worries.
1: There we go. I got time.
0: We're all set. So, like I said, native North Carolinian and my friend Ron Bowen. And uh, Ron and I both met in the U.S. military, serving in the U.S. Coast Guard. We overlapped in a place called Wilmington, North Carolina. And
1: uh,
0: (laughs) here we are now, both retired. And we talked about doing this when we were working together in North Carolina. We talked about doing this exact thing. So we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, uh, you know, what made you want to go into the military period, man?
1: Oh, my goodness. We're going to go way back. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, uh, my dad was a elementary school principal my mom was an elementary school teacher. They were dead set on me going to college because that's just what you did. And after four and a half years of, you know, me doing college the way I was doing college, uh, I grew up enough to know I was wasting my time and their money. So uh, without telling them, I dropped out of college and, uh, enlisted in the coast guard and um we were sitting at the dinner table i'd come in for the weekend and <laughs> daddy said well ronald uh it's about the end of semester how are your grades gonna be this semester and i, I finished chewing that bite of food <laughs> <laughs> pushed back from the table and i said well to be honest with you uh I dropped out of college two and a half months ago, and I leave for the Coast Guard on May 7th. And uh, I got up and got back in my car and drove back to my apartment in Greensboro, North Carolina, and yeah. <laughs> didn't get to finish supper. But, uh, I mean, that's what it was. I wanted to join the Coast Guard coming out of high school. They wouldn't have anything of it. And uh, that's, it's just something I always knew I wanted to do. Uh I mean, I grew up down around going going to Holden Beach in the summer, and I'd see the Coast Guard guys on the boats. And I'm like, these guys are getting paid to ride around on boats and live at the beach. <laughs> sounded like a, Sounded like a great idea to me. <laughs> and I was fortunate in my career. That's pretty much what I did for a lot of it. So it worked out
0: right on man right on so now i know we've talked about this stuff and that's what's kind of funny about doing this podcast is like i know after years of talking all this stuff it's like oh it's good to it's good to do it with you on this again after we've been talking for so long
1: <laughs>
0: so for me it was like it was like the uh just growing up watching the entertainment movies tv shows toys military stuff cop and robber stuff that was kind of like the the fascination that I had with it c- to come into the military, to volunteer for the military. So was there anything else other than, other than the, uh, going from, uh, inland North Carolina to coastal North Carolina? Just being at
1: the No, I mean, really and truly, I mean, I spent a large portion of my early childhood up until I got old enough to work in the back Anyway. Uh, going to Holden Beach, Santa C campground in the summertime. Okay. And, uh, you know, that was just, that was, that was the entire draw for me was right. that's a job, the coat specifically with the Coast Guard, you know, I mean, where I live in North Carolina, I'm pretty close to, uh, Fort Bragg at Fayetteville and, uh, it wasn't hard for me to see the difference between what the army did and what the coast guard did. And, uh, well, I enjoyed the coast guard playing a lot better than I would have the army plan. Likewise. <laughs> I
0: checked it out too. And I'm, I'm, I'm nothing against it. It's just nothing against it, but yeah. no, different-
1: it, For me and my personality, it would, it, was, it the choice was it was pretty clear
0: right on man right on and when you did did you know what you wanted to specialize in like
1: <laughs>
0: or did you already did you did you come about that after you after you volunteered and, and enlisted
1: oh i i did this is this is more dumb kid stuff man
0: i understand <laughs> <laughs>
1: I went to the recruiting office in Greensboro, North Carolina. And back then, there were no posters in the recruiting office of, you know, 378s and 270s and 210s. Back then, the only only thing on the recruiting office wall was uh, 110s 87 or back then, 82s, uh, motor lifeboat 44 footers, you know, cool stuff. And I was a, you know, 22 year old young. And then I had, for whatever reason, asked the recruiter, I'm like, well, who runs those boats? And he went, what do you mean runs them? I'm like, well, who's driving them? And he went, a boat bosun mates are driving them, and I went. Well, who's in charge? He went. Well, the bosun mates in charge. And at twenty two, you just think you're supposed to be in charge of everything. So <laughs> I, that's when I made my decision. I'm going to be a bosun mate.
0: <laughs> I dig it. I dig it.
1: If I had it do over again, mm, probably been a head Why? What do you mean, why? Yeah, it's why? Different. It's a different Coast Guard, dude, all together. I worked, uh, before my first tour as a warrant officer, I was at Aviation Training Center Mobile, and, uh, there's just something nice to being home more nights than you're not, and when you're not home, being in a hotel room somewhere, uh, and yeah, they I mean they have to make their deployments aboard ships as well, but you know. They take off in one ship like they're on the beach in Puerto Rico, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 oh, it's, good
0: to to again, it's good to talk to you again, man. <clears throat> so, yeah, you uh, can, I get it's good to talk to you again, man.
1: So uh you can always tell based on you know how the air crew, what they put in a helicopter for their, you know, two hour patrol. <laughs> they carried a bag of clothes with them. Chances are they were going to have a malfunction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is good to talk to you again, man. So let's just check this out. I, I gave the opening and closing prayer at your, at your retirement ceremony, but I'm going to ask it, you because, because listeners don't, are, don't know. So how many years did you serve?
1: 28 years.
0: Twenty eight years. It's almost three decades. Almost. And let's see. What did you do with as a bosun mate? See now these these as you were so you when you're saying three seventy eight and two seventies and two tens and all that stuff, for the listeners, those are foot lengths of ships that the Coast Guard has or had in the past. I- had in the past. So Ron's talking to me like Ron's talking to me like he's just hearing me a little bit. You got to remember, man. Remember you remember that military training? Stop talking in acronyms. You got to remember the listeners, man. Three seventy eight. you got to say 378 300, So now on those ships, when you were doing it, did you just stay on the beach? Did you stay there? Like, is that what you wanted to do? It's like you were doing the, uh, they call them Coast Guard stations. The orange boats and the silver boats that a lot of people see those are those those belong to a station and those stations have parent commands and those are sectors and now when ron entered the coast guard and even when i entered the coast guard those things didn't exist they were called something else and within the Boston mate rating specialty rating specialty is the the, the equivalent um Good job. there are lots of different oh well, not well not so my lots of, but there are different facets and specialties within that rating. Which way did you go with that?
1: Mm, I kind of, I jumped all over the place. Uh, uh, The majority of my, uh, I did jump all over the place. The majority of my time was spent on patrol boats. However, I, Was a boat driver at Station Ocracoke in North Carolina. I did it. I was there for, I guess, three years. And then went to a 378-foot ship for three years. Then I jumped back into the patrol boat world. Then I did... Five years, I guess, in age to navigation uh, down in South Padre Island. And from there, I jumped from being the officer in charge at South Padre Island straight to the officer in charge of uh, an 87-foot patrol boat at at South Padre Island. From there, I put on warrant and um, did my uh, stand at Aviation Training Center Mobile, which we talked about earlier. And then I wound up in, you know, Fort Macon in charge, responsible for all the stations in the state of North Carolina, which was entertaining since I hadn't been to one and. I don't know 20 years but
0: and that's um, where you and I met man that's where you and I met
1: exactly I just like I said I I was fortunate in being able to see uh most of the well you know in in the Coast Guard most of the different mission sets uh Jumping between search and rescue, law enforcement, ace and navigation, uh, blue water, you know, big boat stuff. I was fortunate. A lot of people, a lot of people aren't able to do that for whatever various reasons.
0: That's cool, man. That's very it cool. A,
1: it was a good time.
0: You know, I feel the same way about my, my career too. I was very fortunate. And I got to do a lot of stuff that a lot of people weren't able to do, so it's pretty cool. You know, it's funny thing is, <clears throat> like Ron's, Ron's. So Ray basically, Ron's an expert on 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 water crafts. and
1: well, expert.
0: I'm, much. I'm trying here. Here we go, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to set the stage for when you and I first <laughs> met here, man, because that's what was funny. That's, that's because I'm going. I get to North Carolina, and and like my mother's in North Carolina, and my and I got I got. I got kin in the country. So I'm familiar with that. And then uh, and then I meet Ron and I'm like, oh man, this guy, he knows way more about all this stuff. And by the chain of command, he's he's supposed to, like, there's a chain of command here. And, and man, he knows more about this, but he's reporting to me. It's kind of weird. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> and Ron, you knew this. You knew this too. <laughs> and it's like, okay, how are we going to, how's this going to play out? And it played out really well. It was really fun sorting it out. And it's been fun ever since, man. Because here we are, years after retirement, still talking, still communicating, still in touch. So, let me ask you this, man.
1: <clears throat> hey, me.
0: Were you raised with a religion or a belief system or, or no faith atheist philosophy or anything like that?
1: No, I can honestly say, uh, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was at Cody Presbyterian church.
0: Okay. Now you and I have talked about this before. So when I say this, I think you understand what I'm asking. What kind of flavor of Christianity was that
1: or is that? Um, I don't know what you mean by the word flavor. Uh,
0: you know, uh, let's do it like this. Do they adhere to the Ten Commandments in the New Covenant? Or is there a separation between the old covenant and the new covenant?
1: No, it's 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 more your traditional uh non not separated between old and new covenant. Uh uh still, you know preach the the word but the entire you know the whole word
0: um so when you say traditional like what what are you thinking of because when i hear traditional i kind of have an idea but i want not understand what you're thinking of Uh
1: 10 commandments the you know i mean the the all the I want to say all the stories, you know, the Bible stories and all that we were raised with, but I'm making an assumption that people know what I would be talking about when I say that. You and I've had this conversation, you know, off and on for ten years now. Um, I I just. I don't know how to adequately explain it other than
0: You do, man. I come on, man. Because here's what here's what here (laughs) it's been a while since we've had one of these conversations, that's for sure. Sure. But it's really one of these situations where the per the pastor, the somebody from the pulpit tells you that you're saved by grace, but then tells you together that you gotta adhere. To the 10 commandments in order to maintain it. Something like that. True.
1: Something like that.
0: And I understand that that's kind of, that's pretty common. That's pretty common. It's pretty common, unfortunately. So, how did that, how did that, I mean, how does that work for you, man?
1: Oh, well, it's like <laughs> it's oftentimes confusing. Uh, and I imagine it is for a lot of people with, um, uh, believe knowing believing being taught ten commandments and then the 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 grace side of it which to me is you know relatively new and by new i mean i probably hadn't been exposed to that uh probably until i met you back in north carolina to be honest with you um you know i bounced around in the military um and experienced different churches and denominations and, uh, you know, with the, I usually migrated between, you know, a Presbytery and Baptist and, you know, in Mobile, Alabama, I was at the Presbyterian church, South Padre, I was at the Baptist church and, uh, you know they they pretty much follow the same type of same type of of study. Uh, I mean, I, I've I've heard pastors joke that the only difference between a Baptist church and Presbyterian church is a Presbyterian fills up from the back pew to the front, and a Baptist fills up from the front pew to the back. So, uh, I don't know if that's true, but. Those have been the the primary teachings or or court train of thought or course of instruction that I've been exposed to. And like I said, that's been, you know, different spots all around the country.
0: You say when you're in South Texas. Now here's a funny thing, because as as you and I were getting to know each other in North Carolina, we realized that that uh we had a lot more in common than we thought. Because as I'm looking at you right now, you have Laguna Madre, Los Fresnos T-shirt on. Yeah, I saw it, man. I saw it. I see it. <laughs> and I did my undergrad at the University of Texas Brownsville, so this is what kind of ties in that, like that awkwardness of when I'm meeting Ron for the first time. And I'm like, this guy's an expert on it, and he knows I'm not. And how is this going to go? And lo and behold, as we're as we're getting to know each other and talk we realize this about each other. And then we're talking about places in the Rio Grande Valley that we are both know. And I
1: just got back from there.
0: Yeah. And then it's like, so then, so then then of course I introduced Maran to my family, right? So my mom's talking to him. This was this earlier this year. My mom was down and, and, and you, it was called the little, the biggest little rodeo in Texas, right?
1: Correct. I just got back from there. We had a great weekend.
0: In Los Fresnos.
1: In Los Fresnos, sold out all three nights. Had uh, it was it was just a, it was a it was a great performance with championship caliber PRCA Cowboys.
0: And I would have never guessed that when we met in North Carolina. You know what I'm saying, man? It's like these things they 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 come together. They come together. So it's pretty cool. So as we're getting to know each other. <clears throat> And we're talking about, you know, we're getting to know each other, right? We're we're geographically separated. Ron's two hours north of where I was working in Wilmington. And uh I'm getting to know him, and we're actually talking about belief systems because we both voluntarily said, Yeah, that's we're good with talking about that. In the military, you cannot just talk about that with anybody because they have to be willing to talk about it with you. True. Proselytizing, what was the other one? Evangelizing or proselytizing. That's how they've got it broken down. So Ron and I would have these conversations because we had stuff going on in our lives. And uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. And along the way, this South Texas connection came together. It was just like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? You lived in South Texas too. Wow. No joke.
1: Well, that probably came up when I told you I needed two weeks leave. Because that's it's what right,
0: I did. Yeah. To go to the rodeo, yeah.
1: Exactly. I'd take two weeks off every, every year. Uh, to go back to help uh to help with that and uh <laughs> you're like well two weeks what? wait a minute what are you doing
0: <laughs> it's a weird thing it's a weird thing being in the military sometimes a weird thing being being yeah. new in a, being new in a position too being new in a position is weird man sometimes Well, that,
1: that's across the board that, that that's yeah. not that's not new <laughs> military exactly. or just starting a new job, a new career, doing anything new is can put you in that very same position. Not that I know because I've been happily retired and I haven't just I haven't gone back to work. So <laughs> I prob- prob- probably should uh probably need to go back somewhere that they have a weight standard.
0: So what I <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm not gonna touch on that, man. I'm not gonna touch on that. Ron. I ain't gonna touch on that, dude. I, you know what I wanted to. If this was on a podcast, I would, I would, I would have lit you up, Rob. I would lit you up, man. So what is what? Are, so uh, what do you want to tell people what you're doing right now? What do you got going on in your life? Because we're not done with this uh, conversation about what you believe and all that stuff. We're just, you know, what do you got going on? You brought it up. Let's figure it out.
1: Oh well, we're about to get. get- wrapped up right back involved in fishing season. uh so I'll be
0: tournament season, fishing tournament season. Tournament
1: season. I'll be working working with some old boys that do uh 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 bill fish tournaments, kingfish tournaments. Um uh, we will go and set up and, and do things like this. We'll live stream and and video and you need a website? We'll build your website. We'll do your online registration, ticketing, pretty much. We're your one-stop tournament shop. That's my advertisement for PointClickFish.com. There you go. Uh, <laughs> we are we are your one-stop tournament uh, shop. If you want to have a fishing tournament and don't know anything about how to do it, just call us. We'll we'll take care of it for you.
0: So you are you are working, man. You are working. Me. <clears throat> yeah. But not like um, you were in the military, not like you were when you're in the certain the uniform it's different I know, but you are working.
1: yeah that's uh that's that's fun stuff though
0: how's retirement?
1: It's good. I recommend it for everybody, yeah <laughs> yeah um, I will say as you as you know, before we retire, we have to go to what they call transition. What transition assistance TAPS class?
0: They changed it to they. Yeah, it used to be that, but then. But here's the thing: I think they changed it because TAPS is what you play before you go to bed, and it's also what they play at funerals. And it was kind of yeah. like, and then you're also they be when you do that, you go on terminal leave, so it's kind of like you know I, I don't know. Maybe they had a lot of military members retire and then die shortly afterwards. I don't know, but it was kind of weird to hear that. So they've changed it. When I went through, it was like something like TGPS. I don't know what it stands for, though.
1: Well, I remember them telling me in my class that when you retire, they recommend taking about a year without uh, trying to jump straight into the civilian workforce, just to give you time to deprogram and that's a bad word, but to use it, it's not adequate. But
0: no, nah, it is kind of right, though, man. You got to think differently. I had to, I, I uh, made it a point. I had to make it a point to think differently because I knew that I was operating within a certain, within a confined space of thinking. And it's not a put down, yeah. it's just you're, you're, you, when you put them serve, when you put that uniform on, you're jo- You're you're yeah. restricting your life because you've just licensed your life to the federal government and they're, they don't want you to do things with it that they don't want you to do with it. So you want, yeah. you voluntarily put on those restrictions and when, yeah, it is, it is almost whether you call it a data dump, a D deprogram, or whatever, change has to happen. I think.
1: I agree. And like I said, I remember them telling us, you know, take a year, but, um, You know, we had some guys in the class that already had their job lined up. Like they were going to, you know, leave the service and, you know, start their new job on Monday. Yeah. And then we had some guys that were, you know, on target. They were loosely um, job hunting. Then, yeah, guys like me, you were just like, mm, I'm getting out. We'll figure out what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, when we get out. And uh, I highly recommend, based on my personal experience, and admittedly, hopefully not everyone is like me, but um I highly recommend if you have any intentions of ever going back to work, I highly recommend that you uh, – start that job search seriously, you know, about three to six months after you retire so that somewhere around the year mark, you zeroed in, dialed in on, on, you know, three or four serious prospects. And the reason I say that, because if you go much past a year without having to, you know, get up every morning and, go to work. If you go much past a year doing it, it becomes real habit forming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh I have been, like I said, retired now, I don't know, three, four years, I guess. Five, uh,
0: man. I think it's five.
1: Yeah, it maybe 18, so. 18? 18 or 19, Miguel, I honestly do right? not.
0: What was it? Yeah, might have been nineteen. It was nineteen. It was nineteen. Yeah, four years. Yeah, it was nineteen.
1: Um, and uh, you know, granted, um, everyone's everyone's life situation and and you know where they are with you know children and kids in college and. High school. everybody's situation is a little bit different, yeah. but, Um, And I and that obviously is a major factor in decision making process. Yeah. But uh, it's real easy if you don't have those external uh, catalyst or motivators. Uh, it's real easy to fall into retired life accidentally. You might not even mean to.
0: We just uh, talked, before we hit record, we were talking about, he asked me how we're doing this in the morning. <clears throat> we're doing this in the morning because uh, because of, uh, our schedules met up better at this time. And uh, I told him that I had gone to a boxing class at 6 a.m. And he was like, why are you doing that?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it fits my schedule with my kids. And, and that's the reason why it fits.
1: Well, I mean, that's I what I'm rel- saying, know. Everybody's yeah. everybody's situation is just a little bit different with where they are on that walk of life, if you will.
0: You know, you know, you know. It's kind of I know what you mean, man. Because then you can, when you see people going through it, you can relate and just kind of go, "Wow!" And I don't know. I, I when I see people going through, it, I'm like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful." The military is one of those last places where they actually have a pension. True. I mean, it's it's one of those last places where you actually have a pension, in a in a century, in a decade more so, and in this decade more so than probably any other decade, people are are going from one thing to another, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's generations before that are still familiar with the concept of pension, and it's it's interesting because I think it's on its way out i think moment. Oh, of- I agree,
1: and I believe it's on its way out with the military as well. Be awesome. Yeah.
0: I agree, and and that's that's unfortunate because that's really unfortunate, I think. But it 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 changes the idea of how a, a culture thinks of retirement and how they get there, and what it's supposed to look like and mean, and the quality. Well, I
1: mean, you know, you know as well as I do, uh, you can almost see a correlation between. Uh, projected life expectancy in the military retirement plans. You know, we came in; it was high three.
0: Now, tell people it's a high three. Nobody know. For the people who don't know what that means, I gotta, I gotta do it. I was, sitt-
1: I-, I was sitting here trying to like work you out weren't in high my on head.
0: marijuana. You weren't high on marijuana because this is the conversation: cannabis Christianity podcast.
1: <laughs> Now, I was sitting here trying to work out in my head how to explain that. But uh, when I said high three for the retirement plan, you take your your, uh, you take your
0: top three pay grades and you take the average between the top, top three.
1: three years. Yeah. Okay. And then you, you weren't know, under that.
0: I think you were. You're, I, was, the major... I was. Oh, you were. That's right.
1: I was. Mm-hmm. The year that changed to maybe a year or two before I came in. Prior to that, it was.
0: Your highest pay grade, your
1: whatever your highest pay grade was, and, and
0: whatever percent of that, depending on how many years you served 20 up to 30, you got either between 50 and 75, 20 and 30
1: and percent I, of that I,
0: highest I, pay grade.
1: I had a, a mentor of mine who stayed um, an E8 for probably 15 years. Because
0: an E8, an E8, an E8. Talk talk to us an about E8. what an E8
1: is. Uh For the, it's the enlisted pay scale. Enlisted pay scale, you know, E1 through E9. Um, uh, he was a senior chief. And back then the assignment policy was if you were an E8, you could fill an E9 job, an E8 job, or an E7 job. It used to be colloquial referred to as the crazy eight rule.
0: But it's also um, like in the, in, it's also like being a non commissioned officer. You are, correct. you are, at you're you're in the, you're one of the you're you're one rank away from being an E nine, which is a master chief.
1: Correct. And um, I'm trying to say that to- because in the
0: you know you know in the army man they got they got they got the NCOs and the the Coast Guard and right. maybe the they don't have that. I'm trying to help people correlate. Sorry, man. Go ahead, Ron. Right. I apologize, man. Go ahead
1: that's all right. But I mean, he can't, he was coming up on his 30 years. So long about year 28, 29, he was like, Hmm, I better put on, I better take the test and put on E9. And I think he made E9 six months before his 30 year mandatory retirement date. And Drew E9 retirement pay. It, it's, still, it's still drawing E9 retirement pay. And I imagine, you know, it's folks like him that forced him to change the rule, but. I know what uh, you I get it. And then they, now is it, is it a, like a 401k now? I don't, I don't even know.
0: They changed it. It's uh. so you and I are on 50%, flat 50%. If at the beginning at 20, right. Beginning at 20 and right. Now, but twenty is
1: it, like two and a half percent a year over twenty, right?
0: Right. So now, as as we were coming, as we were, as we were getting towards the end of our careers, they rolled out this new retirement system that is like at twenty, it's forty percent, but you're also given the opportunity to build an annuity. where they'll match up to a certain percent. And the reasoning that you know what i mean so it, it's yeah. it's kind of going towards that 401k type style right the concept is similar get away from pension and put it back in the market and and uh that's where that's where i do think that i i i, I am fortunate and i'm thankful because well it was it was it was good ups and downs just like to just like you said it's it's not just in the military you're going to run into this stuff in life period these challenges whether you're in a uniform or not a uniform. You're going to run into these challenges in life. And I'm thankful.
1: Well, I mean, I'll bring it back around to, you know, the title of the podcast. Uh, There were several times in my career. Some were personal challenges and some were professional. um, Dang, we probably shouldn't have done that. uh, (laughs) Situations uh, where... If I hadn't, if I wasn't uh, raised in the church and and the way that I was brought up, then it would have been an awful lonely spot to be in without, you know, a higher authority to call them. Uh, I had two distinct cases that I ran that, uh, two different units, actually, that, Soon as I got back to a telephone, I called home, talked to mom. Uh and that's just, you know, the the you know, there's a saying there are no atheists in poxholes. I don't know if that's true because i I you know, the Coast Guard, we don't dig holes. but uh there's not a lot on ships either.
0: I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. There was a uh so you did a lot of the stuff out on the water and i did a lot of stuff from a command center on shore and i remember being in saint petersburg and um uh, there's a person left a suicide note and they took their boat and they said they're just going to drive off out into the water out in the out in the gulf of mexico and uh we have to find them because their loved ones notified us and we got to find them we got to figure out where this person left from, what time they left. And we have to try to make an educated guess about which direction they're going. It's pretty crazy when you think about it like that. That's search and rescue. That is search and rescue. And that's why they call it an art form because you're literally a detective with life and death on the line and a lot of people and resources moving to try to find you. When you need help, it's yeah. pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing thing that people volunteer to do that. People volunteer to do that.
1: It's crazy stuff.
0: And uh, it's crazy so here's what happened with this guy. We had we found his truck and trailer at a boat ramp. Because we found we 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 did a lot of detective work. You know you gotta you gotta you gotta ask. We were interviewing his family. Like, wait, hey, where does he normally go? And uh, so we find it. And we just make a guess that he's just going to go, if he's going to kill himself, he's probably going to go straight out. And we guessed right. We had the right guess. We didn't have the exact right time, though. So here's what happened. The guy ran out of, he changed his mind and wanted to live. But he ran out of gas and couldn't get back to shore. He drifted into an anchored Russian vessel that was painting its hull. He was starting to turn hypothermic. They brought him in, and he lived. And while we're doing that, me and a bunch of other people, men and women in this command center, and the people at the stations, and at the people flying the aircraft looking for this guy, they call him a controller. One of the people that's working in the programs that, that does all this stuff. They call it a controller. And he says, that was the hand of God. Because we all recognize that that guy probably should never have been found alive.
1: No, probably not. But that's how it works if your work's not done here.
0: And our work isn't done. So now, during all many conversations, I'm going to switch gears on you. It's going to be a hard shift right here. Because I know it was kind of a heavy one. But we're going to shift gears, man. You Talk to me about Talk to me about number North Carolina's number one cash crop, tobacco. Right? Well,
1: <laughs> in the old days, yeah. In the old days, yeah. What would you like to know about it?
0: The service, the military service is changing. Tobacco used to be accepted, not so much anymore. When we're, yeah. it's not. You can't. You can't smoke or or use um, chewing tobacco like around anybody.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it?
0: It is. And I heard you say you when you weren't working the beaches of of Holden Beach, you weren't working there in the summer times and stuff and, and enjoying your summers there. You were working in tobacco.
1: That is true. I worked in tobacco with family for well, that's funny. I used to say it was one of the reasons I joined the Coast Guard was to get away from that. And then lo and behold in the summer I come home and work in the back of my first couple of years in the <laughs> Coast Guard. So uh uh now, I mean the 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 state was built on it pretty much.
0: Kinda of funny. So uh you use tobacco now? No? Yeah, maybe?
1: Mm, he says as he reaches for his spit cut. Uh yeah, I been
0: i gotta tell uh, this story man you know which one's <laughs> coming man because and and it, it's a funny one because it's something that it's so here it is so so no you're not supposed to you're not supposed to use chewing tobacco in federal buildings it's it's a rule can't do it i was doing it and 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 like i said i were two hours away so the big boss goes i go i go up to we're going a meeting. so we're at me and ron are a meeting with a few people and the the office went. The office door is open, and people walking by, and, and the big boss walks by, right as, right as Ron spitting tobacco juice from his mouth into a cup. The big boss walks by and is like, "Oh hi," and Ron, and I both know what to expect. What's coming? Yeah, and we. So it's not like we're we're. It's just it's just funny. It was just one of those funny things because afterwards. You know, Ryan and I get back to his office and, and he's like, hey, man, I didn't mean to get you in any kind of trouble. I was like, I don't go out of my way to do it. <laughs> I was like, you just do it along your way. You don't have to go out of your way, man. It just comes naturally.
1: <laughs> no, just me being me there seemed to get me in trouble and was, conversely you in trouble. But
0: It was funny. It was a funny a- one. It that's the
1: subject That's the subject for a different podcast.
0: That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so how do you view the world now, Ron? I mean, after after growing up in North Carolina, where you got the the Ten Commandments rubbing up against grace, it's kind of strange. And then you do 28 years where you've done life and death stuff and working with people either in some capacity or not. Life and death. Families matter. People matter whether they're they're whether they people were helping or there are people that are in our organization, or there are people that work with our organization, or just anybody you meet. It's something about people that volunteer to help other people that makes it a little bit different. So how have you changed the way you view the world, God, Jesus, from then well, to
1: it's, it's 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 funny that you ask that question that specific way. Uh, and I know that was... Uh, the the let me address the how do I view God part of your question first. And I think this is true with probably most people that were you know raised in Christianity. Um quite possibly that were raised in any religion. Um uh, But the older you get, the more that you tend to, I guess, the more experiences you have and the easier it is to realize just how little you control things yourself, even though you think you are, and how easier it gets to appreciate that, you know, there is a God that is helping you out along the way because there's no other explanation for some of the things that you benefit from. And uh, there have been things that have positions I have put myself in that I know for a fact, uh, you know, you always taught me there's no such thing as luck. Uh, we you did have said, a lot of
0: those conversations, man. You, I don't believe in luck, the, and you kept saying you, lucky, unlucky, and I was like, I don't believe in luck, Ron.
1: <laughs> I, I know, and and I I know you don't. Uh, and you know, some of the stuff that I've, uh, uh, like I said, some of the positions I put myself in, yeah, the luck ain't had nothing to do with that. That was divine intervention. Uh, So, I mean, I guess that's – when you ask me how I've changed or how my views have changed, it's just easier to – it's easier to see when things go a certain way. It's it's easier to give credit where credit's due than, you know, when you're young and you just think you're flitting through life, you know. Um, How's my views on people changed? Whew. I, 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 that one I can't express. That's still hard to recognize. Uh, there's not a lot of parallels that I can draw between 28 years of service with the Coast Guard and and the civilian sector, uh, because I don't have that experience. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't do twenty eight years in the civilian sector.
0: But sometimes, uh, go ahead.
1: so, I mean, I, I, that one, we'll just have to, we'll just have to see where that one shakes out here in a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. you can have me back. Maybe I'll work on it. I don't we'll
0: know. Do we'll do it.
1: <laughs> but by Jesus,
0: man? You know, you and I
1: have talked about, it. well, I'm still a firm believer in the fact that when you graduate high school, you should have to go do some form of service. I don't care if it's in the military or the Red Cross or the Salvation Army, but you should have to do two years of service before moving on to college.
0: I agree with that, actually. I think I think people should do, I think they have that, Uh, what was it? Have, oh, no, it's um, uh, AmeriCorps. It's like the, it's yeah. a, it's a domestic it's a national version of the Peace Corps where you instead of going to other countries and do it, you you do it in your country. And I think whether I think they should do it for two years. I think everybody should do something for two years, whether it's military or civil well, service for your state or your nation, state or nation. I, I'm just-
1: you know, I'm just looking at it from a from a from a maturity and a growing up level and a understanding that you know we're all part of something bigger, whether we believe that or not, it ain't all about you. Or in this case, it ain't all about me. Uh, and I, I just, I, you know, I was not very successful in my college career. And I've told people this a thousand times, you know, I didn't I didn't learn how to, how to study until studying was directly tied to my paycheck so that i could take the advancement tests and and improve my position um you know up until something like that i was immature and you know studying was so so what i could get a better you know letter grade I was too young and immature and stupid to understand how that would translate. Hence my, hence my co-star career.
0: Hey man, you had a good career. I'm dealing with that with my kids right now, man. And it seems, it seems odd that they're doing it in elementary school, but I'm still dealing with it in elementary school. And I remember doing it. I remember doing the same thing when I didn't want to do that homework. Right? I, just right? yeah. I just play, right? I just play, right? I just play when I was kidding. I'm like, I get it, buddy. But, I I don't know, man. I'm dealing with it now. And it's weird doing it as a parent, man. Because I know you have a daughter too. And I know you've had to, it's it's strange along the way, man. It's like along the career, you have a family, you have children, things change, people pass away, people come into your life, we change. And I can relate to what you're saying. I was a late bloomer academically as well. I didn't I was not inspired. I put it like this, Ron. I wasn't inspired. (laughs) I wasn't inspired academically. For my k twelve yeah. career,
1: <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, but I believe there's a lot of truth in the fact that you know there 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 are specific learning styles for everyone, and we really don't use a process to zero in on what person matches what learning style, so that you can teach in a way that they can understand and if. You know, you've got a visual learner or a hands-on learner who's sitting in the back of the classroom listening to the uh, instructor, you know, talk about things. And that kid might as well be outside playing football. I know. They're not going to get anything from it. And we just, you know, I was kind of a combination of, of you know, hands-on and memorization Uh guy but i didn't know that until i had to figure out how to retain information and i didn't do that until retaining information became attached to my paycheck
0: i know what you mean yeah
1: you know i think i I eat proper i eat proper motivation
0: it's a funky thing man it's a funky thing i can say you consider yourself a gen xer right
1: well mathematically that's what they tell me
0: yeah that's what i'm saying here same here and uh it's just and and that's what's that's what's different and you could we, we could actually apply this to retirement the way people think of money and retirement and careers and all these things it's it's fascinating the way the world is changing because Your daughter starting college, my kids in their K through 12 career. Things are going to be vastly different. And I'm not not saying anything new, but it's going to be different. And what are your thoughts now with all these things going on in life and in the world and things that, that, uh, that are mysterious as well? Who is Jesus Christ mean to you? What does he mean to you?
1: Hope, in one word, hope that, you know, there's something bigger and better after this, that this is, you know, for lack of a better term, merely a, and I know this is going (laughs) to, this is going to ruffle you, I know, (laughs) Um, but for lack of a better word, this is all just a test. This is a trial, if you will, a tribulation that we have to, you know, work through and and figure out what what belief system, what, you know, what kind of person you're going to be. Dang. Where are you morally and ethically and... But if you ask what it means, I mean, it means, dang, what does Jesus Christ mean? It means hope. It means there's no matter how dark it seems, you, you always got somebody, and I, I Lord, I have called on. Uh, there's somebody to talk to that, you know. You never come away feeling worse after prayer.
0: I know what you mean and so here's here's a funky thing about how i can say i know what you mean i had a situation where it's like this person was just this person was my boss and i was not wanting i was not digging it i was put it like i was not digging it (laughs) i got you and uh i couldn't sleep there's i'm I'm not gonna go all the details but we're doing we're doing an event and uh i had my i had a major car breakdown like and i had to i had an emergency and i was like hey i got this emergency this person was ununderstanding you know didn't understand they just just didn't care i was pissed man i could not sleep and i remembered i can't remember who which pastor said it. it doesn't matter but the person was like and it's in scripture pray pray for the people the scripture uses the word enemy the guy felt like an enemy because he's acting like a jerk but would I consider right. him an enemy? No, I wouldn't consider him an enemy, but I prayed for him. And shortly after that, I actually fell asleep. And when I woke up the next morning, it wasn't the kind of sleep where you're laying there pissed off and you're, you you kind of go in and out of like that dozing and you wake up and you know you're not rested. I was rested. I was rested because I I, I got a different vehicle and made that drive and we did the event anyway. And I agree, man. You never come away from prayer you always come away from prayer better
1: yeah i mean you just just and and, you know sometimes it's just you know voicing a problem out loud um and knowing that you know somebody's listening uh well you know i don't know it's weird uh it's hard to explain but
0: it's a personal thing. I was talking about it. I was talking about it with um a couple of previous guests. It's really personal. It's a personal thing. And and when it comes to it, when you said hope, I agree, man. Hope. The thing that that I had to learn along the way is that it's not just hope, but it's also love. Your maker loves you. And that's one thing that really made a difference. And how I believe and trust that Jesus is who he says he is and loves me the way he says he loves me. And that's why it's important to draw out these when denominations tell you that you're saved by grace, but then put the Ten Commandments on you, because that's a burden that no one can carry. Only Christ could carry it. And that's why if find it. I mean, I understand churches, they want to have, they want their, they want their their the congregation to to look, to be examples in society. But doing it with a mixture of covenants and fear doesn't produce that. The Apostle Paul is clear about what that produces. It's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. It stirs it up. And uh, it takes some time to change the way we think. And then we put life and career and families and all that stuff on top of it. And we put retirement on top of that. And we're talking about yep. changing changing the way we think, right? It's a it's a it's, well, a, it's, it, a, it's, a, it's a it's a whole human being.
1: It's funny your 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 thought train on that. Uh, damn, fired one of mine up. Uh, right. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about the Ten Commandments and, you know, how no one can can live up to that and, you know, how the Apostle Paul said that, you know, doing that kind of stirred things up, uh, it was funny to me because it brings to mind that the quickest way to get a young un to do something is to tell him he can't do it. You know, put that rule in place. That's the first thing he wants to break. And that led me to, you know, that's the the parent-child relationship. And that led me to a time in my life where um, things did not turn out the way I wanted them to. And I could not understand it, couldn't understand how it happened, and pretty much got mad at everything and everybody, including God, for a while, and I finally, as will happen in those situations, ran into the right person who had a perspective that was made it all make sense to me and he asked me one day he should uh so what i'm hearing is you're mad at god and i went well yeah i'll be honest with you kind of am and he went that's all right be mad at him he can take it he said, how many times did you tell your mom and daddy you hated them growing up? I
0: hate hearing that from my kids, man. Oh, I hate that. Oh, and,
1: and when he said that, I busted out laughing. He went, it's no different. He said, the good Lord can handle you being a pestilent little brat for a while. If you want to be mad at him, be mad at him. And that made it all better. And it. Because again, it's the parent child relationship, right? And a lot of times we overlook that, you know, a lot of times you overlook it, and that made it better. And I got over it pretty quick after that. Buddy, just how things I don't want to use the word manifest, but how things work out,
0: come about, how they come about to work out. It's almost like something like that. It's weird,
1: like you will, you will, you will. You will run across the right person or the right tidbit, the right little piece of wisdom at the exact right time. And that's not an accident.
0: I just know. That's cool. I agree. I agree. All right, man. So I'm I'm guessing, you know, I already know, but I'm gonna ask you anyway, because we got people who don't know you. You know what I mean? That's what's funky about this is that we know each other really well, but I still got to kind of, you got to do that blend of our styles here, man. So what do you think about life and death? you think there's a a life after this death? you think there's no Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So you think there's a payment due upon death? Say again? You think there's a payment due upon death?
1: Oh, I think there's going to be an uncomfortable review of all the stupid stuff you did. I mean, (laughs) it, it, it it says that.
0: Where does uh, it say that? Where does it say <laughs> it says that? It's, uh, where does it say that, man? <laughs> you know, okay, okay, don't tell you. I'm not asking you to tell me, you know, like chapter and verse, but like tell me what nah. you like what it says. Like when you think of the scripture, what are you thinking it says? Like other than all the stupid stuff you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna thump you on the head for all those things. Once I you get, once gonna get gonna... to the pearly gates, Ron, once Ron gets to these pearly gates, I got a a, a fresh rod and a fresh switch to to just whip him and beat him with everything. <laughs> and he's going to know, oh, I know this one's coming. What?
1: If he, <laughs> what? If, if he's from the South, there'll be a crab apple tree outside. You'll have to pick your own switch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, uh, like I said, and like we've talked about, that's one of the, that's one of the conflicting, confusing parts of the whole. Right.
0: That's the why. Whole,
1: the whole thing. It's like. Mm.
0: That's why it matters. That's why it's like. Because I don't think there is. If, if you, if, if you believe in, if you've, if you've consented to be loved by your maker. It's all done. It's already, I've already been changed. The only thing that I need to do is believe it. Because that's where it's in scripture. I think I know what you're talking about. But I want to get an understanding. I'll go back to that later. But all the people were like, "What do we have to do, Jesus?" And he said, "The doing is believing." And this is what you and I did have a lot of conversations on because I still had. We were both working this out, and this is why the importance between the old covenant and the new covenant matter. Because if you think that there's something you still got to pay, then. What that is implying about Christ's payment for you that is finished is that it was not enough. That makes sense. And that you could actually do something to lessen it. And that is something I do not see. I do not see my ability and my power and my strength as creation superseding the power, ability, and first and foremost, love of my creator. You get what I'm saying there, man?
1: That I do. And that makes that makes sense.
0: And that's why I bring up these questions about the old covenant and the new covenant, because I see too many people struggling with an internal, you could call it a civil war. It's like, man, believing I'm saved by grace, but not feeling it and not being told that I'm and being, then being told that I got to maintain it myself, and it's it's hard on the person because it kills them literally one step at a time. Paul, the other thing that Paul said about the Ten Commandments is that it stirs up sin, and when we said it earlier, it stirs it up. It's like killing yourself slowly, thinking that you're getting medicine, and that's the danger of the Ten Commandments, and that's in applying it to grace because there's a distinct difference and that's why i I, that's one of the many reasons why i do this podcast because and there was many reasons it's one of the many reasons why i wanted to have you on man because you're cool with talking about this stuff man so do you think you still think there's a you still think there's a punishment or i don't
1: know i don't know if it's a punishment i i you know that's something that i we'll wrestle with
0: you know i know that's cool man
1: that's uh that's probably require some deeper thought than you know a 10-minute conversation
0: i understand i get it Uh,
1: and don't get me wrong i'm pulling for it to be your way
0: (laughs) and that's the truth of it that's the thing it's like that's what it's like wow It doesn't feel right to say, I love you now, perform for me. And if you take a misstep, I'm going to whack you. That sucks, man. And I remember thinking that when I was a kid. I remember thinking that going, you know what? To hell with both you, Lucifer and Jesus. You both want to, you both got it in for me. And that's the crazy confusion of mixing the covenants. It's wild, man. It's wild. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, man. What you got? And I already did ask you this. I already know the answer. Mm. But it's a good question. And what we can, when you had, when you had your child, when you had your daughter, did the way you view God or Jesus change at all or not?
1: Mm, No, no, it didn't. I can't say it changed. Uh, uh, I don't really know how it would change. Uh, And and I'm sure for, you know, some folks, maybe it did. But um, my, my belief system and my belief in God and Jesus didn't, get stronger or get weaker. Uh, And maybe it should have gotten stronger. Uh, My discussions with them got more frequent as they do when you've got someone else. Uh, You know, that's really the first time in your life you're truly 100% solely responsible for another human being. So you tend to talk a little more often. I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, I can't. I I I can't like isolate a way that my belief changed. I don't know if that's good or bad.
0: I think but. you just did, man. I think you just did. You recognize. Uh, I think you you recognize the responsibility of raising a child. You know what I mean. Here's, yeah, here's, like, like I
1: said, I, I probably should have talked to him more frequently to be honest
0: with you. well you said you just said you did, man. And that's what I'm saying. It's like here's what
1: I am saying more frequently than I did. <laughs> oh,
0: here's what I'm <laughs> thinking of, man. When when I asked you when I asked you uh how you've changed since then between <laughs> career and all that stuff now, from when you were growing up in North Carolina, you said, Yeah, I see it more and mao. And and having a child is one of those things, one of the many things that can help you see that more now. So that's why, you know what I'm saying? So I think you did see that and you're like, yeah, I, I, uh, prayer prayer is where I'm going. All right, man. Ron. Let's see. South Texas the biggest little rodeo in South in Texas you gonna, it, you gonna do it in next year
1: oh well till they run me off
0: okay right on
1: I I've just I've got a lot of great friends down there who have I have leaned on uh, multiple times through multiple life-changing events uh most recently, You know, this rodeo, uh, you know, we lost mom in beginning of January.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, from a timing perspective, you know, this rodeo time of year, third weekend in February was, was, you know, that moment to exhale and, do something that you enjoy. And, you know, the, the, the group of guys, uh, and just, I don't, I won't even limit there. This, the, the, the whole group, associate directors, directors, uh, they're involved in that rodeo or all just top notch people. And it's a, it's my Texas family. So, uh, and just through, uh, odd coincidences of timing uh it's it 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 seems like that you know through many of you know a lot of the dark times that i've experienced have have been picked up and brought back by that group of folks just i got a lot of love for those people
0: and that's cool, man. That's cool. That is cool. So, where's you going? What's uh? Where, where, did you already tell us where you're going for the first tournament? Where you
1: going? With, with uh, not, we'll be we'll be in Hatteras, uh, for our first event this year, I believe. Um, uh, what was that? coming of. Let me see here. <laughs> Du-du-du-du-du. No. No. Oh, hang on.
0: What you got, man?
1: What's that? It's not
0: that. So you're being hatters this spring.
1: Correct. Uh. Lord have yeah. mercy. No, this
0: is- Remember, this is a podcast, man. This is not just a phone call from me, yesterday <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll be in Hatteras the second week of May. So
0: you got to go to the bathroom. You need to go to the bathroom while we're doing this. You got to go to the bathroom. Ron. No,
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. No. Well, you asked a question. I was trying I know, to be as, fact, as factual as I could be for you. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. Pardon this, pardon this slight interruption while Ron checks his calendar.
0: <laughs> well, that's good stuff. All right. All right, man. So you know what? This is a good way to help uh, help introduce you to, I don't want to say <laughs> the world, because I'm not introduced to the world. People already know you, man. But to the listeners of this podcast, this is a good way to introduce you there, man.
1: Well, well, bless what? their hearts.
0: Is this the first time you've done a podcast? No, it's
1: not the first time I've done a podcast. Co- I mean, podcast. as a guest.
0: and not Not as a host, but as a guest.
1: Oh, as a guest, yes.
0: Okay. As a guest. All right. It's a little different, isn't it, man? It's kind of, it's like as you're doing. It, it's kind of like, huh? It's a little different.
1: It's cool. Got be, to gotta be honest with you. Yeah. Being a guest, being a guest is easier than being the host.
0: It's a little bit. Yeah, you think so? You like yeah,
1: being- I, I just have to answer questions. I don't have to come up with them. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. All
0: right, man. Anything you want to tell anybody about anything?
1: Nah. No, just, you know, the only, th- the, the biggest things that have, and you, <laughs> you know me, uh, there are those that would put me more in the pessimist phase than the optimist phase. Uh, my daddy would say it's the realist phase, a uh, reality driven, and the one thing that, the, the the one thing that has helped me get over whatever I'm thinking or feeling the most is, you know, Ron, you can feel this way as long as you want to. That's up to you. But sun's going to come up tomorrow, whether you want it to or not. And it's going to be a new day and a new start. And once I started accepting and believing, you know, or I should say adopting that mantra, uh, things get easier. You know, especially, like I said, dealing with the loss of my mom uh, most recently. You know, here in North Carolina today, we're at 1020 in the morning on... What is this, the last day of the month?
0: It is, yeah, yeah.
1: February February 28th, and it's 70 degrees. (laughs) Sunny. Kind of hard to be in a bad mood over that. So, you got to look outside sometimes to get your inspiration.
0: I understand.
1: I'm I'm not 100% talking about weather. You just got to... I saw what I was saying earlier about getting older and things are easier to see, if you will. and just, it ain't always all about you. or in this case, it ain't always about me, you know?
0: well, this podcast episode is about you mostly, yeah, but I guess well, you're saying you saying, saying the ego you're saying when that ego wants to come up, what we call the ego or the or the flesh or whatever we want or whatever how we want to call it.
1: Out the flesh is probably the best way it's easy to be consumed with with you know what you're thinking and feeling and it's the oh whoa unbe um, to me and you know just go outside I went for a walk yesterday morning didn't want to you know me I don't exercise clearly I know. yeah uh but went for a walk around the place yesterday morning got across the street and I live out in the country. You've been here, you know, Um, and I'm muttering to myself, you know, I got a doctor's appointment next week. So, you know, I got to be able to tell him, you know, that I walk. So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) got down on the back edge and six wild turkeys flew up out of the back the bottom of the yard. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I don't normally see turkeys. And turned the corner on the field and uh, jumped a doe that was trying to eat her breakfast. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I don't normally see that. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you just got to stop and appreciate the things that you, you know, don't normally get to. See your experience. I don't know. Tears to make your day better. At least it does for me, anyway.
0: And no, that's cool, man. That's cool because I already I, I had an idea about that, but it's cool to hear you say it the way you did. What's that? Go outside, go for a walk sometimes. Because man, I tell you, you know what it's like to have a, a child. It's like they start to fight and stuff like that, and it's kind of like man. It can it can consume you in a way that is intense but not permanent and sometimes it's good to just go outside and
1: go for a walk yeah just... no i didn't get up to do it this morning but
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man the reason why that's fresh on my mind is because my boys have been going at it for a little bit and you know it comes and goes it just comes and goes there's sometimes where they're just nagging at each other and sometimes it's like it's not as good we're coming out of a spot where it was just it was it was just not fun. And it's like, oh. Whew. And during those moments, I'm thinking about what as you're talking, I'm going, Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta either leave the room, close your mouth, yeah, walk
1: away. Walk.
0: Yeah, that's it. Remove yourself from the situation. And in that way everybody's got a chance to change.
1: And and at the end of the day we your boys, they're brothers, they'll figure it out.
0: I know, man. I know, and and the funky thing is, is I didn't grow up with brothers, so it's kind of like I grew up with a younger sister. So they're three boys. I'm like, God, this is really cool. You guys go like, got your built in friends in your family. <laughs> cool. True,
1: true, and they'll fight more and harder with each other than they will anybody else. So
0: yeah, that's true too. I see it. It's weird,
1: and and the, and that's again, they'll work it out. <laughs> like I've told you before. It takes a strong man to raise strong men. And, you know, your boys have a good role model. They'll turn out fine. But yeah, they're going <laughs> to, uh, they're going to, you know, there might be a stitch or two involved over the course of their childhood.
0: Oh boy. Mm. <laughs> I know. I know. It's cool. I love you too, Ron. I love you too, Ron. I love you too, my friend.
1: Love you, brother.
0: All right, this is the Conversation, Cannabis, and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. And our special guest is native North Carolinian, retired U.S. Coast Guard Chief Warrant Officer, and my friend Ron Bowen. Love you all.